0: All right. Hello everyone. And welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today. We have a very special guest with us. We have a trauma certified therapist. Her name is Tiffany. She is a mother, a wife, and she has been a licensed therapist for almost 13 years now. So Tiffany, so happy to have you here. And please tell us a little bit about yourself,
1: your personal story and what led you to become a therapist. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tiffany Domikos. I have been, you know, I I've been on kind of a windy journey of, of being a therapist. So I started out as in college as an elementary school teacher. And got out of college and moved to a new city. And I could not find a teaching job to save my life. It was like all the doors were closed. And, but I had, I had been working with a lot of people who had experienced trauma, who were struggling in their early twenties, you know, late teens and someone suggested maybe you should be a therapist. And I was like, no, I've got my own trauma to deal with. Like I've got all these other, like, that's not a good idea. I fought it for another year or two and finally gave in. And it was like all the doors swung open financially and, you know, connections and all of that. So I got my master's in counseling and it was A journey of the soul for myself in that process, but I loved it and loved working with people, loved being part of people's healing journey. You know, right now my passion is really working with mamas and parents who are just trying to reparent themselves and figure out how their childhood is impacting their parenting and, and, and what they can do about it. Yeah. So, and that's exactly
0: the journey that I'm on right yeah. now. And it's so funny because Tiffany, you and I have known each other for what, oh, close to a decade now. Yeah. <laughs> um pretty- it, yes, you worked with me and my fitness and nutrition coaching long before Fit Life Academy was even yeah. a thing. So you listened to that episode where I shared my trauma and I shared yeah. the the child abuse that I had endured and um you actually reached out to me and told me hey this is something that's that's right up my alley and i'd love to help you so from hearing like you getting to the place of becoming a therapist it sounds like that was your calling it sounds like you yeah. were being pulled in this direction and maybe at first kind of fighting it and then yes yeah so before we talk about like kind of you know how you and i connected to get you on here like you said that you were dealing with your own trauma when you decided to become a therapist. Are you comfortable sharing some of what you experienced that your trauma, you know, what led you to want to, I'm assuming that that's where your passion comes from.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think seeing my own healing and experiencing my own healing journey, it, it was like more people need this, like this needs to, I, and it, it was sort of addictive. Like I I want to be a part of this for more people. And I, so yeah, I, I think my, my trauma came up in college, sort of like what you have shared, you know, I sort of always knew it was there, but just didn't, didn't have the resources or the safety to really deal with it. And once I was in college, had some really great friends who came around me and supported me and Um, so I started therapy when I was in college and, and then started just kind of finding other people sort of attracted to me to talk about those kinds of things. And I, I think, you know, and we'll talk about this more later, I'm sure, but trauma, the healing journey is, is that it is, it is a journey. It's not an end point and, I really wanted it to be an end point. I really wanted it to yeah. be, okay, I've dealt with all of my stuff. I have uncovered all of the skeletons. Mm-hmm. I have I have worked through every, you know, symptom and issue and I just have this like lovely carefree life. <laughs> and and while that that sounds really lovely, that's just not quite how humans are. I think it gets easier as we are along go along the journey, but we continue to have I continue to have those stuck places or places where, gosh, I need to do some more work on this, or we need to go a little bit deeper, or there's another layer to uncover here. And so, so that was sort of how I I started out being a therapist was, you know, I had like an inch of, of healing and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give that inch back. Right. And then I, and then I get more and more and I have more to give back. Yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah, I think I went to therapy originally because I was having some symptoms around of anxiety, depression, was having a hard time with motivation. Like I was doing fine in school, but I didn't want to go to classes. I didn't want to engage with friends. And that was just not like oh my me. my God.
0: It's that you sound, it's so, I feel like I'm listening to my story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> because it's it's lots of people's stories. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm sure so yeah. many people are listening to this right now, and they're like, yeah, "That's right. me." And yeah. and so I think that this is a really good time to ask this question. So I polled the FitLife Academy members, yeah. and I asked them, "What what do you want to ask Tiffany? You know, this this certified therapist that deals with trauma." And we got so many questions. So I think that this is really important with what you're saying right now. Like yeah. for me. I didn't even realize that I had trauma. I didn't even yeah. know that I was traumatized. And I've come to learn that I was just so disassociated from it for so yeah. long. And so we had a lot of questions come up from the FitLife Academy members of asking, like, how do I even know if I am traumatized? So particularly mm-hmm. somebody asked, like, I feel like I do have these signs from mm-hmm. of trauma, but I can't remember, like, anything mm-hmm. specifically that happened, like if I'm sensing that maybe I am living in the survival mode or maybe I am traumatized, Mm -hmm. uh, but particularly what do, how can you uncover that if your brain is hiding it from you? Because for me, my brain didn't even acknowledge, like I knew that it happened, but it, my brain wouldn't even let me face it.
1: Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. So our brains are very complex and everyone's is different. There are some, there are some common threads for sure, but I think when when we feel safe seen and soothed we have the security to to be able to manage what what life brings at us whether whether that's processing a trauma whether that's you know going through something really hard whether that's grief whatever that might be when when we feel safe seen and soothed in ourselves and and usually because of the relationships around us then we have the capacity to be able to manage those things. So when I have people who come to me and say, gosh, I, you know, maybe have all of these symptoms, but I don't have a specific memory. I tell them, let's not worry about the memory. Let's, let's just deal with what we have right now. So this is what your body and your brain feel comfortable bringing to the surface. So let's bring it to the surface, let it come, build some skills around managing those things and see if we can increase your experience of being safe, seen and soothed to create some, some security for yourself rather than forcing it. Right. We, we, we bump our heads up against a wall, like trying to force it, force it, force it. This is sort of that like gentle, like backdoor approach. Like let's, let's not bang our head, head against a wall. Let's, let's kind of come at us a little more gently because most, most of us who have experienced some sort of trauma are, are the, are the hustle, right? We are the Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) like hard energy, like go, go, go. I got to get all these things because that's what makes us feel safe, right? That's, that is what has contributed to us feeling safe. And it
0: distracts us too. I That's can't right. I can't sit still because I constantly have to be doing something. Because if right. I sit still, then I'm I'm stuck with my thoughts and feelings.
1: Yeah. Well, and your, and our bodies hold all of that, right? So when we sit still, all of that comes up. And so yeah. so we have that kind of this nervous energy. So
0: I want to say something here. This this was another person asked a similar question to what we're talking about here. And, and she said, How do I even know if I've experienced trauma? So so this person in particular, she recognizes that she's said, I've gone through some really hard things in my life. And this is actually a member that I've worked with one-on-one mm. for a long time. And I know the things that she's been through. And I'm not a uh, professional or, or certified to say, but from sure. what I've heard of her story, it sounds very traumatizing. But what she's saying is, how do I know if, if if I've experienced trauma? She said, I've gone through some really hard things, but I feel myself resisting calling it traumatic. And that kind of goes back to that question that we were just talking about of like you know i can't remember anything specific that might have caused trauma but i i think maybe i am traumatized so to what you're saying i take it as essentially like don't stress about labeling it if you are sensing that something is not right within you listen to that trust yeah. that and and go within and, and start to explore that because That's it right. doesn't you don't need to this is something that i've really come to hear a lot and appreciate And the the psychology and healing community is like the big T versus little T trauma. Like we all have gone through some shit. And if you look at my story and think, well, okay, I I wasn't abused as a child. So like what I went through, maybe that's not trauma or what it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because Ultimately, it's all pain is all relative. And so what you went through, it hurts you just as bad as what I went through. It doesn't matter if it seems like it shouldn't have been as bad. Oh, what she went through is so much worse. It hurts you and traumatizes you just as much. So if you're sitting there asking yourself, well, I mean, I don't know if what I went through was that serious, or I don't even know if this is trauma. If you are hurting, acknowledge it. Don't stress about labeling it, acknowledge it and face it.
1: Yeah. I like to tell people, you know, pay attention to if you're triggered, right? If you have moments throughout a normal day where you are getting into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, or you are operating out of one of those consistently, then there's there's probably some trauma there right whether that's a singular event whether that's complex over multiple years and decades it doesn't really matter what we're paying attention to is how your nervous system is wired and so for some people they can experience the exact same event and one person experiences it as traumatic and one does not exactly and all of that is based on both our childhood experiences, but also just sort of like how we were made, like what our brain and body and nervous system, how, how they were put together. And we don't have a lot of control over that part. All we can mm-hmm. do is kind of respond and pay attention.
0: So we've talked a lot about the nervous system in the last few episodes. And so I want to ask you, maybe this is a way that could help our listeners better identify if they are in that fight, flight, freeze, fawn, survival mode. Um, Mm -hmm. Because for me, I was in it for 25 years and didn't even know it. And Mm -hmm. now that I've come out of it over the last year, it's like, holy shit, I, I can't believe I lived that way for so long. Mm -hmm. But when you don't know anything different, Mm -hmm. it is very hard to recognize that this isn't right. Right. When, when your body has been responding, been in survival mode for that long, how the hell are you supposed to, like, I knew intuitively I would, I had, I was always so foggy, you know, brain fog Mm -hmm. so bad, always Mm -hmm. so tired. I never woke up feeling rested. Like all of the signs were there, but because it was just always how I felt, I didn't recognize, wait, hey, I think something's wrong. So for these people that are listening, how do they know, how can they identify yeah. that they're in fight or flight? How, th- that if, especially for those of us like me, that that's all they've ever known.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I talked to my clients about sort of a, a spectrum. So in the middle is our green zone, that the green zone is when we feel connected to ourselves, when we feel connected to our people, we can play, we, we're okay, feeling joy, and we can learn, we're sort of engaging right in, in that green zone. When we move into the red zone, that's our fight or flight. That is if we're irritated or angry or, you know, short tempered or, or afraid a lot, right? Like kind of that hypervigilance anxiety. The other end of that spectrum is I, we call the blue sp- end and it's the, the freeze or fawn. So like kind of what you're talking about, like always tired, kind of lethargic, uninterested, unmotivated in really doing anything. What we want is most of our time to be in that green zone, yeah. but it's normal to go into some of those other zones. The key is being able to come out of it. Exactly. And so, and so when, when I, when I talk to people who can't get out of one of those zones, like they're stuck, mm-hmm. they they're constantly, and, and even surprisingly to them sometimes, like they lose their temper on their kid and they're like, Whoa, how did where did that come from? How did yeah. this happen? Right. And they can't stop it. Mm-hmm. For, for me, that's a good indication that, okay, that's probably a trigger. So let's uncover, let's dig a little bit deeper yes. into that thing.
0: Yes. What you just said, like everyone needs to like rewind and listen to it 15 more times I was stuck you said the word stuck I was stuck in that blue zone for 25 yeah. years and there were moments over those 25 years where I would move to the the fight or flight response mm-hmm. so that manifested into panic attacks as I got yeah. older as I became a teenager in the early 20s I started getting panic attacks it, it mm-hmm. got to the point where I was diagnosed with agoraphobia I could not leave mm-hmm. my house mm-hmm. I could not mm-hmm. drive my car without mm-hmm. getting getting a panic attack. Mm -hmm. So that was me in that blue zone for so long. But yeah, not even Mm -hmm. when you don't know that you're in it, how are you supposed to get out of it? And now I can identify when I'm in the red zone, I can identify when I'm in the blue zone. And that Mm -hmm. episode that I shared where I share my story, I Show you that in the whole episode, mm-hmm. you hear me go from mm-hmm. a green state to a red state to a blue state, and mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. literally get to hear me use some of the tools to pull me out of it. Those yeah. deep breaths, and the, even I, I think that I didn't listen to the final version, but I think that Josh, I hit record for that episode and just let everything come out and just let him edit it. So you can, there's moments where you can tell that I'm I'm soothing myself to calm yeah. myself down. Right. I didn't know how to do that until the yeah. last year. And that's the problem is that one, we have so many people that are in that red or blue zone that don't even freaking know it. They don't Mm -hmm. even know it. But then once you gain the awareness of it, you have to learn how you can, yeah, it's natural to go in that response, that fight or flight or that blue zone. Mm -hmm. You have to know you, you can pull yourself out of it. And that's something that I hear from a lot of members and friends. Like we talk about these things a lot and they're like, you know, it comes back to that question. Like, do you control your mind or does your mind control you. And I always Mm -hmm. say, it's not a control thing. You have to learn to coexist. And you, there are things that your mind does automatically that you can't control, but you do have so much control. You do have the ability to decide what comes next. You have so much in your subconscious that happens automatically, but your conscious mind is what you get to decide. Okay. I feel this, you know, I feel myself going into the red zone. These are the tools that I can use. You get to consciously decide to use them and pull
1: yourself out. Well, and my experience too has been both with clients and for myself is, is that I can't get there by force. I have to get there through nurturing and, and that self-compassion. I also talk to my clients about, you know, the, the, our habits, the things that we have been doing for decades is like a super highway in our brain. It is easy, it is fast, it is quick, that is like that, that's the easy path, right? It may not feel great, but we know it. Mm -hmm. The this new like kind of soothing and nurturing and responding with compassion, that's sort of like a dirt road. It's got potholes, there's like overgrown weeds coming out, right? And it takes more effort, it takes more time. And so, so we also have to give ourselves compassion in the process that. We're not going to get it right every time. We're not going to do the things that we know in our brains that are going to help us calm down or be soothed, but maybe we do it more often than we used to, or, or maybe we can go longer without needing to do those things or or maybe not. Right. And that's okay too. And so, so giving ourselves compassion and recognizing that change takes time. It's, it's not a, it's not a one size fits all for this type of healing. There, there are specific things that, that we can do to sort of nurture and soothe ourselves, but, but we also have to just be responsive to where we are in the moment, in the moment and learn to, to, to accept ourselves in those spaces.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Tiffany. So you said a few times about fawning, and I know Mm -hmm. that a lot of us understand the survival mode that we can be in that fight or flight response, but you said something about freezing and fawning. And I think it's pretty clear what freezing mean means, but what does fawning mean?
1: Yeah. Great question. I, I perceive fawning as more of that, like kind of people pleasing. So where women or, or men that it's definitely not not gender specific but people sort of ignore themselves to keep the peace to make sure that everybody else is okay it's sort of that like caretaker mode i know you talked about that a little bit on your in your experience and your podcast so yeah that's kind of fawning is more in that blue zone where the system is sort of down regulated so our nervous system down regulates to make our needs and wants smaller So, because, because we're not safe to bring those up.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that you're right. Like when you've said that, like what women typically do, like, I think that for you and I, we both work with a lot of women, but I do think that that's so true. Of course, it's not gender specific, but I see so many women like, and it's this, it's this, it's this myth in this society that we have grown up in, right? That that we have Mm -hmm. been programmed to believe that we need to be that good girl, that we need to, Mm. you know, we don't want conflict, that we want to be easy to be loved. And that was a big Mm. thing for me Mm -hmm. as a child and what made me develop that fawning is that I felt like I needed to be quiet and easy and not cause mm-hmm. conflict to be loved. And mm-hmm. so I think that is so important for women, especially to really understand that that doing that, that fawning is actually, it's really detrimental to you because what I've come to realize in the, the last year of uncovering this trauma and healing from it is that I Don't have a sense of self. I don't have Mm -hmm. a life for myself because my entire Mm -hmm. life has always been caring for other people, Mm -hmm. trying to keep the peace and trying to keep everyone together and happy. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what I see so many of my clients, women Mm -hmm. and not, but so many of them doing the same thing. And I think that's why a lot of them struggle with their relationship with food, with exercise. Like they Mm -hmm. don't, why would you think that you're going to want to work on these things for yourself? when you really don't care about yourself.
1: Mm, yeah, it's so true. And you know, I think it's really easy to feel shame about about this, right? To to feel like, gosh, I'm it's one more thing that I'm not getting right, right? I'm I'm trying mm-hmm. to care for other people, and I'm not getting it right. Mm-hmm. And and I think if we can conceptualize this as these these were our survival mechanisms, right? This was how we survived humans thrive on in, in love and connection. It's required in childhood. And so children are equipped with the capacity in their brain to survive in whatever conditions they have in front of them to, to get what they need. And and so, you know, that fawn response is just as valid of a trigger response or a trauma response as The fight or flight, right? It's just not quite as loud. And, Mm. and, and it's so, like you said, socially acceptable Mm. that it's really hard for a lot of people, a lot of women to differentiate that from who they really are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because who I was for so long was just a mother, a wife, a Mm -hmm. business owner. It wasn't, there was nothing for me. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that I know so many people are listening to this episode and they, they don't, you don't even realize it when you're in it. Like my Mm -hmm. life is so different than it was a year ago. And it's been hell getting here. It's been so emotionally just a roller coaster and really hard. But now I have a life that's mine. You know, I have, I have yeah. hobbies and interests that are mine and nobody else's. I have so much for me. Um, and I think that a lot of people listening to this episode don't have that. So you said a few times in this episode, I want to ask you, you said, I can't remember exactly, people want to s- feel seen, heard, and soothed? What was it? Safe,
1: seen and soothed. Yeah. Safe,
0: seen, and soothed. See, I've heard a lot in the psychology community. People want
1: to feel seen, heard, and loved. So is that same thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Really similar. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, and- the language that I use is specifically from I think it's Dan Dan Siegel and his, his co-workers. I, I'm happy to yeah, talk about that okay. more. But but yeah, that, that is not my language. That is from from people smarter than me who've who've done a ton of research and that, that's yeah. what they're seeing in their research. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's just, you know, things that I found that's just maybe worded a little bit differently. So seen, yeah. heard, uh, loved, and then you said soothed safe. And what was the last one?
1: Safe, seen, and soothed. Safe, seen, and, and soothed. And that creates security.
0: So when you talk about that, I know that there's, there's that pyramid in psychology of like the basic needs of a human. So those needs are at the top, right? Like the, the very bottom is like food and water and then the, the seen and soothed is at the top.
1: So, you know, the research is actually telling us that being safe, seen, and soothed is one of those base requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is, I don't know that it's new research. I'm definitely just getting into this research because, yeah, the the that is called Maslow's hierarchy, right? So we have mm-hmm. to have our basic needs met, like food and shelter, but connection is is sort of one that's in there that if there's no connection so we see this in orphans in you know orphanages where kids babies don't get touched they they don't thrive they they cannot survive that yeah. way and
0: And the reason why I wanted to dig into that a little bit more is because you, you, you made such a great example of an extreme case, a a child in an orphanage. That's not getting little to no physical affection. Right. Right. But for people that are listening to this, that went through a scenario that was similar to mine, or Mm -hmm. even again, in their eyes, they don't think it was that traumatic. But in my experience, I had two parents, right? I had caretakers, but emotionally unavailable. So mm-hmm. I want people that listen to this to realize that you didn't have to be that or that child in the yes. orphanage to feel, to, to feel this way that you weren't seen and soothed as a child. Because when I hear you say that I so deeply connect to the fact that yes, that's how I felt. Yes. I had people around me that were making sure that I was fed. They were making sure that my diaper was changed, but <laughs> the emotional connection was <laughs> not there whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I did Mm -hmm. not get to have that emotional connection with anyone, Tiffany, with Mm -hmm. no one until I was 17 years old and met my husband. Mm -hmm. I did not have any emotional soothing safety, any of that until I was 17 years old. So, So for people that maybe had some of it, but it's still, there's that pain there and they don't recognize it because yeah. they think, well, I had parents. I didn't grow up in an orphanage or I wasn't yep. sexually abused. Like, no, I yep. shouldn't feel this way. Yes, you still can feel this way. 100%, <laughs> your feelings
1: are valid. And I think anytime we're discounting our experiences, like if we're experiencing pain and we're like, yeah, but it couldn't be because of this, right? It, it doesn't really matter the why. Let's let's just look at how you feel and really accepting that. And once we can, I, I think once we can accept how we have experienced something that that's when then then we ha- are equipped to look at the why mm-hmm. hey okay gosh this is a really valid experience that I'm having and so so let's dig a little bit deeper deeper and what 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 might that have come from yeah. gosh I I really had no emotional connection and that really is required and even though there were people around that, had, you know, other needs met, this was a big deficit in, in my experience. Okay. Yes. Right. I can accept that. I can I, look at that.
0: I hundred percent agree. Because for me, it was like the finally getting to that point, which my therapist describes it as you were finally in a point in your life where you were ready to face this, where you yeah. felt your, your body and your brain felt safe enough to face That's it. Right. So it started as just getting this awareness and these realizations of like, okay, wait, I'm not good. Like this isn't the life that I wanted. Not okay. This isn't... yeah, and and yeah. so And so I didn't recognize then what it was tied to. But as I started Mm -hmm. to acknowledge, like, I'm not okay, and I I need to go on this journey, I want to be okay, Mm -hmm. then it started coming up of, like, this is why you're not okay. Mm -hmm. Like, the why did, just as you said, Mm -hmm. did start to come up. Mm -hmm. But another thing that I wanted to say to the listeners is once you start to have that awareness and you start to naturally heal, I think... I have fought so much and resisted so much the way that I was naturally healing. I got so I went so inner inward and so I really isolated myself. I wasn't leaving mm. my house. And and that started to make me feel very bad. Like, oh my God, I need to go to work. I need to socialize. Like I started putting all that pressure on myself mm-hmm. that I shouldn't heal this way. You know, I tried to control mm-hmm. the healing journey of no, mm-hmm. I'm gonna heal this way. I'm gonna go to breath work classes, I'm gonna, you know, mm-hmm. do all these. I, I went and got a shocker reading, like all these different things, but it doesn't work like that. You cannot force your healing journey. You cannot force the way that you heal. Like I had so many Mm -hmm. sessions with my therapist, just breaking down, crying in my room, being like, I have not left my room for weeks. And Mm -hmm. she's like, girl, you just, you gotta stop fighting it. Like Mm -hmm. if you need to stay in your room for three weeks and feel this and just you know, do it. Like there's of course a difference between like avoiding staying in your room to avoid, but you know, for, for those of us that are trying to do the work we're healing and we're feeling, I want to say that you cannot force how you heal this. You cannot force how you feel it and you cannot rush it either. Like so many times I'm almost a year into like really being in this healing journey. And there's so many times where I'm like, can this just be over? Like, can I just go back to feeling like I'm just normal again? You know? You know? And yeah. my therapist always tells me, Mallory, you can put it on the shelf. You can shelf it if you need a break, but you can't just say, "Okay, I'm healed. I'm done. I did it." It doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and I think the longer that you're at it on on the journey, the longer the the more healing that you get, it 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 expands your window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. for, for those types of waves to hit you. Right. Mm -hmm. And it stops being so consistent. I mean, you were silent for 25 years, your body held your experience for 25 years. And in a year time, you want to go back to normal, right? That's not, that's that we, we, we try to equate. Like I tell my clients, if you've been holding this for 25 years, talk to me in 25 years, if you're still In this place, right? (laughs) Because it's probably going to take 25 years to like really unravel all of that because it was childhood and young adulthood. And there was so much going on. There was so much that you missed out Mm -hmm. on that you didn't experience that you're having to bring back into your life that you're having to make space for that you're having to nurture yourself through. So Give it another twenty five years mm-hmm. and then, right? Oh um, God, another. 25. And it doesn't actually take twenty five <laughs> years, right? But just men- mentally, well, right? We want the quick fix. We want it to. I mean, you experienced this in your business, right? Mm-hmm. I want the. I want to lose weight. I want to lose hundred mm-hmm. pounds in six months. Okay. So that's going to take some really specific effort. Right. And so Mm. I think our, our mental, emotional and spiritual healing is, and and physical healing even is that way too. Right. It's, it's going to take some specific work and you're doing the work. And that was, I mean, that was really part of what I was drawn to about reaching out was like, gosh, this is hard work. Keep doing it because (sighs) it's worth it. And, and, and you're getting somewhere. Yeah
0: it it really is worth it. and like even if it takes 25 years to fully, you know, move past the previous twenty five years, what I want people to know is like I'm a year into this and already like just tremendously happier and more fulfilled yeah. and just yeah. the spark and it's something that is unexplainable and that I've never felt before. like my life mm-hmm. is truly mine and it just feels so limitless. It feels like, mm-hmm. Just the options are endless for me. And it didn't feel mm. like that a year mm. ago. So even Mm -hmm. if it does take somebody 25 years, just know that, yeah, as, as like you said, as you start to move in that journey and accumulate the tools and the healing, it gets so much easier. So this would be a good time to talk about something that was asked by a member and something that I'm actually very interested to hear what you have to say. And it goes to what I was just saying. And they want to know, like, if you're working on this, you're in this healing journey and you're doing the Mm -hmm. trauma work, how do you balance like continuing Mm -hmm. to live your life? So for me, I am a mother of two children. I am a wife. I have own a business. I have tons of clients. You know, I've wanna have a social life and I want to have a, a life for me while also doing this healing journey and this trauma work. So, yes, sometimes it's so overwhelming. And sometimes it's hard to shelf it. It is hard mm-hmm. to put that away. And I want to give an example to the podcast. My sweet husband, mm-hmm. who is a, such a wonderful man and has allowed me to be very open about the things that we have struggled with because of my healing and my trauma work. And so for him, you kind of mentioned it and made me think of it. He is struggling some with seeing me want to go out and be a little bit more independent, and I we have seen throughout the course of our fifteen year relationship how we've become or were very codependent on each other because mm-hmm. my husband also str- struggles with his own childhood trauma. Sure. His his trauma is is very similar to mine, and that's why we've bonded. You know, sure. that's we've yeah. always had this strong trauma bond, and so there are aspects to that trauma bond that were toxic, and that we are acknowledging and working Mm. through and part of that is just having a hard time being away from each other we are very yeah so so for him this is a great example for people to think about like how do you balance that of like I want to be a wonderful wife to my husband and I don't ever want him to feel like he's being left behind or I'm moving you know I think that he fears these changes but so how do you find that balance of like I want to go out and Do live my life that you said I missed for 25 years. I didn't get to Mm -hmm. do that. So how do I do that while balancing? Well, I still have a family. I still want to show up for my family. I love them. And I still have a business. How do you do it all?
1: Well... Probably lower the bar. You probably can't do it all. Right. (laughs) It's, it's really looking at what are, what are your values and maybe it's for a season. So what, what does this season look like? Is it, is it, you know, setting some time markers for yourself of, Hey, for the next six months, I'm really going to focus on, on therapy. And and I'm gonna do all of the things, right? I'll make the lunches and get the kids out the door and run my business and right do all, but my spare time is really gonna be or needs to be this healing in therapy, doing my homework, doing the breath work and the exercises and the, you know, journaling or whatever it is for you. Mm -hmm. And And it doesn't have to be
0: zero to a hundred either. That's right. Just 10 minutes of journaling today is my, that's exactly right.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so committing to yourself, okay, this is, this is what I'm working on and making it really tangible. So a lot of trauma is sort of unspoken there. There's sort of this undercurrent underneath the consciousness of the shoulds. I should be doing this. I should be doing that, right. This this that this need to please, that's sort of the fawning we were talking about. And so when we make those our priorities and our values conscious and we put them into words, we say them out loud, we tell our loved ones about what we're doing, then we stop hiding things in the dark, we bring it to the light and automatically there's more space and joy and um, acceptance for those yes. things. Right. And so maybe, maybe it's not therapy, right? Maybe you're further along in the journey and you're like, gosh, I'm so like in this that, but I want to have this social life over here. Okay, great. What does that look like for you? Yeah. How does that match up with, with who you are, with who you want to be as a mom Mm -hmm. and a wife? And, and when you sorry, when you oh, are a
0: mom and a wife, it's it, anybody in any scenario, understand that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this complete one hundred and eighty life change. It can be, That's right. okay, you know what? I'm going to start the third Saturday of every month. Go out with my girlfriends. That, That's that. Right. Sa- yeah. That it can be that simple. It doesn't have That's to exactly be, right. Oh my God, I got to leave my family. I got to go have my slut years. <laughs> you know? It's funny. Cause you just, you just said about like the fawning and wanting to, to be that people pleaser. And it, reminds me so much of and us talking about this and my husband, it reminds me of the, I started an OnlyFans a few weeks ago. And for mm-hmm. me, it was starting it as this very empowering, like taking back ownership of my sexuality. And my husband was all for it. Like 100%. Mm-hmm. He's so, again, very much so on the same journey of me, as me. Mm-hmm. And we are very close and good at communicating and all those things. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, having an OnlyFans account definitely still gives you that, mm, I've come, I've had so many of those shoulds come up that you're talking about. Like, I should not be doing this. This, this mm-hmm. I should feel ashamed of this. And it's so interesting because it, it's that you just said the undercurrent. It's the undercurrent because mm-hmm. I can sense that me, who I am at a soul level, the true version of me, which I didn't even know who that person was a year ago. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even identify that voice or that intuition in me. And now it's very strong. And I can feel that my intuition is telling me, girl, get that bag do your thing. You're having fun. It's empowering, whatever. But then that undercurrent is there of like, you Mm -hmm. should be ashamed of this. Your husband Mm -hmm. is probably going to leave you for this. Mm -hmm. What would your dad think about, you know, and it's the Mm -hmm. undercurrent. And it's so empowering for these people listening to this to realize you can have that undercurrent, but you can also be in a place where you're like, you know what? I don't believe those things. I don't take Mm -hmm. investment. Like just because they're in my head doesn't mean it's true. That's exactly right.
1: Yes. Find your voice. Just because you think it does not make it true, so evaluate those things against what you actually believe in your consciousness to be true, and then practice that belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
0: and with the OnlyFans example, you you made me think about this too. Is that I was so afraid to talk to my husband about the idea because I didn't know how he how he would feel, right? Sure. And so that's a good example of like with trauma or with any feeling that somebody is experiencing that they're, they may be scared or uncomfortable to share with mm-hmm. somebody else. And so with mm-hmm. all of my trauma, like once I started talking about the trauma with my husband or with my other loved ones, and then I started talking about other things that like, Hey, I don't think I'm happy with this dynamic. I don't think, Hey, I, I want to mm-hmm. do this only fans thing. And I don't know how you're going to feel about it. Once mm-hmm. I stopped being afraid I don't want to say stop being afraid. I'm still very scared, but doing it anyway, saying like, hey, Thomas, I'm scared to talk to you about this OnlyFans thing, but I want to get it off my chest. Mm -hmm. You know, sharing that, shouldering the burden with somebody else, take it off your shoulder and let somebody share it with you. So if you're struggling with something that you're not happy with within yourself, within your environment, Mm -hmm. whatever it is have somebody in your life that you do feel trusting enough, share that with them because just speaking it, like you said, speaking it out loud, Mm -hmm. it takes it off of just your shoulders. When all that trauma was just in my head for 25 years and I couldn't share with anybody else, it was suffocating me. But now Mm -hmm. speaking it out loud, talking to my loved ones, I'm able to share that burden with them. And I have seen how hard it is on people to hear these things, right? My husband, my my family members to hear things about my past and also my present that I'm struggling with. It's uncomfortable. It, it's going to be hard to speak your truth to people, but you have to do it. You have to get it out because having them know what I'm going through has allowed them to support me. And there are Mm -hmm. so many people in my life that were there those 25 years that would have supported me, but Mm -hmm. I did not let anybody know. I didn't speak my truth. Yeah. Yeah. You have to tell people you have to let, and if it can start with a therapist or, Mm -hmm. you know, just a close friend, whoever it's got to be that you can confide in, but man,
1: I don't know how I Mm -hmm. kept that in for 25 years. It really is amazing how we were created to survive, right?
0: Yeah. 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 Because the person who abused me continued to be someone who in a way had a caretaker role still until mm-hmm. last year. And that's mm-hmm.
1: why I didn't feel safe. That's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm so glad you do feel safe. Me too. Me too.
0: So mm-hmm. I want to wrap this up with two yeah. things. So one question that was asked, I love so much. These members want to understand like, how, how can I maybe identify that they're wondering like, what cues can I see that have shaped my relationship with my body? So if they've dealt with trauma or, or pain that's affecting their relationship with their body, but they don't even know it. So an example mm-hmm. is I work with, I've worked with hundreds of women over the past. Past few years and all of them to some degree struggle with like emotional eating, stress eating, mm-hmm. or like some kind of connection relationship with food that is toxic. Mm-hmm. A lot of them also struggle with their relationship, just in general, with their body and their body image, feel just very disconnected with their body mm-hmm. and exercise as well. Exercise, I think, mm-hmm. becomes this very unhealthy and toxic relationship for women, mm-hmm. and I think that it is tied for a lot of them to pain or trauma. So so is there anything mm. that you can say like to them like yes, if you're experiencing this, if you notice this, it is a sign that you're
1: disconnected. I mean, yeah, I think we've talked we've touched on some of this, but I think disconnection from the body, right? If if you if you can't sit still and breathe for a couple of minutes and and most of us have some discomfort with that, but if that is like impossible for you, All right, let's have a conversation about that disconnection, right? I think experiencing joy and and true like happiness is is also an indicator that hey, there's a disconnect or there might be some what we would call hypervigilance going on where you're sort of always on alert to see where the danger might come, right? That's our brain's way of of helping us survive. And, and so, yeah. And then all the things that you're just talking about with over-exercising over or under eating, not wanting to have sex, having, having more sex than you think you should having a poor body, body image or, or having really negative self-talk, right? All of those are, are disconnects in our mind, body, soul in some way, shape or form.
0: What's so just breaks my heart is that I know this. Almost everyone listening to you say that is thinking, yeah, okay, I, I, that's me. And I know that because I'm, I'm working with all of them one-on-one. You know, I've worked with all mm-hmm. of these women one-on-one for the past almost decade now, and they all struggle with those things to some degree. Mm-hmm. So you said something. You said if, if you're not sensing the joy... And I think that's it's really that simple, Tiffany. If you're if if there's a relationship in your life, whether it's with another human being or something else, whether it be your body, your eating, your exercise, if if it if it's not bringing you joy, which of course we all experience a wide range of emotions throughout the day, so totally. is, does it come down to if your eating habits or if your exercise habits are bringing you more, I guess, negative than not, something's wrong. Is that as
1: it's as simple as that? Yeah, I think that would be a great place to start. That, that might not be the end, but yeah, I I think that's probably a really good marker that there's something else going on and we need to dig a little bit deeper. We, we, I, I like to talk to people about, you know, our emotions, like you said, you know, we have a wide range of emotions and emotions come and go. And And the goal of life is not to be happy all the time. Like I just need to feel, feel happy all the time. And that's what a happy life means a happy life is really that we have the capacity to experience the full the full range of emotion and we have the skills and the knowledge and the experience to not just tolerate but lean into each of those feelings as they come know what to do know kind of ourselves and our minds and our bodies and recognize those recognize how to soothe them recognize how to feel safe in in that space and and then move through it yeah for me working with people with trauma joy is a big one that people come in and say i don't feel happy ever right i never feel this way mm-hmm. okay That's a big deal, right? You don't have Mm -hmm. capacity to feel joy. You don't have a window of tolerance for joy. Why not? Where Mm -hmm. does that come from? Let's talk about what that looks like on a day-to-day basis and and what's really going on.
0: Yeah. You really helped me work it out in my head with saying that because it's maybe the better word contentment
1: or peace. Because I think that's what
0: I've found myself experiencing a lot more as a baseline, In my life. Before, when it was like things weren't going on, that just, again, just being alone with myself, it was that restlessness. Now I can be alone with myself and just feel that contentment, or at least starting to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think for all those years, like for, for example, now I do still have some negative thoughts around eating habits. I do mm-hmm. sometimes struggle with, especially lately, like, oh my God, I'm not working out enough. Sometimes I have those thoughts. Sometimes I have bad body image thoughts, but yep. now it's a very, it, it feels normal. I feel like a normal level before it was like these things that just, it was like, oh my God, I'm just so ugly and disgusting. And like, I want to, mm-hmm. you know, either emotional, Eat all the things or, or over control my diet to feel that sense mm-hmm. of control with my body. Mm-hmm. All of those things, sex, that one was tough to uh, identify that I had such an issue with. I really didn't know, like, uh, me and my husband have. Incredible sex and always have. I love sex with him. But this past year of healing, I realized I was pretty closed off still. Like I, and it wasn't him, you know, it was again going through these things, it, it brings up feelings for other people. So you will have to not work on that, not fawning, not wanting to like, you know, right. avoid the conflict. So we had to have that discussion because he took it personally and understanding, sure. oh my God, I it is not you. You are the sexiest man on the planet in my eyes, but I realized that, yeah, I had some trauma that was closing me off yeah. to not being fully expressive of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. So th- lately, like, ooh, buddy, <laughs> I was like, what have I been missing my whole life? Uh-huh. So it's just so interesting because it's like all those years I knew that something wasn't right, but at the same time just didn't know what to do about it, I guess, didn't know mm-hmm. how to change it. And then there were aspects of it that, like the sex, I didn't even realize I could. Sure. it could have been any better. I thought it was wonderful. And now I'm yeah. like, oh my my god it can get better than that <laughs> this is amazing so yeah. it's it's tough but i think ultimately i just i really intuitively knew all along that it it wasn't right that my life wasn't mm-hmm. right it wasn't what i wanted and then yeah i just finally got to a point where it was like okay i'm ready to change this yeah yeah that's so great so let's let's ask this last question for you with all of this what do you want to say to the person listening to this that maybe is just like at the very beginning of like mm-hmm. listening to this and thinking, hmm, yeah, maybe I do have some stuff. What do you think is the best way for them to start? Not the best, but one one way. And I actually wanna I wanna fix saying the best. There's not a one size fits all approach to healing. We're all different there. I've learned so many tools over the past year. Some of them really resonate. Some of them don't. And some of the tools that didn't resonate with me, I have clients that started practicing it that they love. So we're all different, but is there Tiffany, is there something that you can say to help kind of guide them on? They want to know, how can I start restoring this mind body connection? How can I start identifying some of the ways that I have disconnected?
1: Yeah. Like you said, I think it is different for everyone. I, I like to tell people to start where you have the capacity to nurture yourself and, and what comes up out of that space. So if you are struggling with, you know, hunger cues, either you ignore them or they don't exist. And so you're, you're eating more than, than what you want to, excuse me. then, then, then start there, right? How can you nurture yourself around, around that issue, regardless of what side of that you're on, right? Gosh, I'm struggling to feed myself. What, what might that be about? How can I show myself compassion in that rather than, you know, shame? How can I, when I, when I overeat, how can I, how can I be compassionate about that? How can I understand myself be- better rather than staying in this loop? So that's that we've, we've talked a little bit about, you know, being stuck. And, and for me, it's getting stuck in that, in that habit loop of, mm-hmm. I feel an emotion and then I do an action. That's usually the loop, right? Especially around trauma. I feel a a, a thing that I don't want to tolerate that I can't tolerate, or I've con- convinced myself I can't tolerate. And so I do this this soothing action and, but I feel shame about it. Right. And it's that shame loop. And so then we can't tolerate the shame. And then, and then we do the action again and we kind of do this loop for ourselves. Right. But, but if, if, if you don't take the action off the table, but instead of sitting in the shame you recognize the shame and say, gosh, I need some support. And that might be from some other people that might be from yourself that might be, you know, changing your beliefs and looking at those. But if we can, we can respond with compassion.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We change our lives.
0: And so many people struggle to respond with compassion to themselves. They'll give it all day to everybody else. Because they, yeah. they, they give it all day to the people that they love. They don't love themselves. Totally. So they can't give themselves compassion. So yeah. with what you said of like so many people, I hear it every day. I feel so stuck. Why am I stuck? And yeah, they just, they're just they stuck in that that loop of I feel that emotion and then I act on it. So just the awareness, basically, you're saying. Just starting with that awareness of the pattern. Just start to just observe yourself a little bit more. And the way that I try to look at it is through a very playful curiosity, because mm. I am so hard on myself. I am I have okay. such high expectations for myself. And I know you listening to this do too. So Try to look at it from a playful curiosity, and I try to look at life now as just a game. We're all getting out the same way, dead. You know, it's like, why am I taking things so seriously? It's not that serious. So when I overeat now, I'm like, I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm I'm going to be a little bit more playful and curious about it. So like, yep, did I do that? You know, just trying to like be a little bit more lighthearted with the way that I look Mm. at things because I've come to realize that I was taking everything so freaking seriously, and you don't Mm -hmm. have to. It doesn't have to be so. Start with that, that just awareness, that curiosity, like, why did I do that? You know, but don't judge it. Like, don't like rate yourself because I can promise you from somebody that tried to like Mm -hmm. beat themselves into submission for 25 years, it's not going to work. It's never going to work. And the last year of me seeing this healing and success with this trauma work is me trying to be gentle with myself and kind to myself and light with myself and just say, Hey girl, you need to sit in your room and cry for three weeks. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. in the, 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 what did you call it? I loved what you called it. That, that behind the scenes of the conscious mind, it wants to tell me you can't sit in your room for three weeks. This is lazy. You, you need to get Mm -hmm. out. But my, my intuition
1: is saying you need to heal and this Mm -hmm. is okay. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. And listening to yourself, right. Listening, like that is listening to ourselves is the first, is the first step. That's right. And treating ourselves, you know, another, another tool that might be helpful for people who struggle with feeling compassion for themselves is how would you talk to a loved one or your child, right. About this particular issue. The way that
0: I talk to myself in my head, I would never say to anyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, why are we, why do we talk to ourselves that way?
1: Yeah. It's wild. It is wild, (laughs) but that's a really great way to, to again, kind of short circuit that, that system is imagining ourselves. You can even imagine yourself as a small girl, right? Mm -hmm. A, A child. And what, what did that little girl Mallory need when she was in this, what did that teenage girl Mallory need mm-hmm. when she was in the throes of, of whatever that is. And, yeah. and it makes it a little bit, it's a little bit easier to be, be gentle with ourselves in those spaces.
0: Yeah. And I want to end this episode by saying this, you know, you, you just brought up the the inner child and I want people listening to this to remember that healing your inner child for a long time I always looked at the 3-year-old to 5-year-old little girl that was getting abused and healing her. And then I started realizing that you know teenage Mallory really needs healing too, that she mm. she had a lot of anger when she was a teenager. She hurt a lot of people because of that angst and mm. understandably so so healing that girl. And then I realized Okay. Well, hold on. Early twenties mouths also has some, so I want the people listening to this, the the mama's listening to this. Like if it was you, when you were five that needs healing or 15 that needs healing, or, or you went through a shitty relationship when you were 22 and need to heal 22 year old mom, like Mm -hmm. whatever it is, if you are like, you know what, I'm married with kids, but I never got to do the, the, you know, go out and be the single lady. Like you figure it out, talk to your therapist, yourself, your partner, whatever it is. But it's not just the little girl. It's not just the, mm-hmm. the small child yes. you. It's any any past you that went yes. through something that hasn't gotten the closure from it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: love so, that. So Tiffany, I know that you said you you primarily love to work with mamas who I'm sure mm. need that help, that inner child or maybe the teenager or the young 20s version of them. Yep. They need your support. So tell them a little bit about where they can find you and what you can help them with.
1: Yeah. Great. I, you can find me on Instagram at Tiff Holy living and that's T I F W H O. And then I I will provide my free download for your listeners that just gives people sort of a starting point for dealing with those big emotions that come up on a regular basis, especially if it's a regular basis. But even if it's not, there is sort of specific steps that I teach to deal with those, those triggers that help us feel safe, seen, and soothed and get us sort of back into our bodies. So happy to provide that and yeah, I am currently coaching mostly women who are are just in a stuck place and need some change but they don't know what that is and some of them come in and they do think that they know what that is and we find out through our work that it it is it is much more associated with compassion and, you know, nurturing themselves and accepting themselves for who they are. So It's really fun work for me. It also correlates with my training as a change specialist and using kind of that background with my therapy background. So
0: amazing oh my god i'm so excited i know that so many people are gonna find themselves coming to you and getting help from you and you are such a wonderful beautiful talented incredibly smart soul so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today maybe we can do a part two soon i'm sure that people would love to have you back so tiffany again thank you so much for coming on today
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was really lovely. We had a lovely conversation. I'm so excited for the work that you're doing. So excited for the women that you're influencing. This is, this is really, really good work. It's really hard work, but thank you for letting me be a part of it.
0: Thank you for being a part of it. You are
1: absolutely precious. (laughs) All right. We'll talk soon.
0: Yes.